0: Recently, Janice and myself were in a church meeting, and um, there were lots of people, and soon after we sat down, a young man came and sat next to us with his, I imagine it was his girlfriend, I don't know, that was nice, and he talked to us, that was good, and um, then the meeting started. Now this was a, um, I use the word, a, a kind of, so where they have a break in between. Lots of meetings do that have a break in between. And in the break in between, before the sermon, um, we had changed seats, Janice and myself, because we couldn't see the screen, or Janice couldn't see the screen, and I was on the end, so she went. And now, so I was right next to this chap who had come to sit next to us. And um, so I turned to him and uh, engaged in conversation. I said, well, why why do you come here? Why do you come here? Now, I wonder what the reply was going to be. I mean, there were, on this side, there were 200 young people in their 20s. The building was a fantastic building. It was very modern, had galleries all around, The band was great. The band was, I was really taken with the band. It was subdued, the drummers was great, it was not too loud. The lady was leading the singer, the young woman was leading, she was wonderful. Although she she wasn't dominating. She had a fantastic voice, it was, I wonder if he's gonna say this. Was he gonna, I come for those young people you know. (laughs) Or was it going to be the preaching? Well, they got a very able preacher. You know, hold your attention for 40 minutes, no problem. Was that going to be it? So I said, why do you come here? Was it going to be the music? I mean, the hymns, I had not sung these hymns. There was one, we started off one with an organ. But the next three hymns, they were, they were completely new to me. Very, very modern. Very, very modern indeed. Very, di- very different. Very moving in many ways. I was moved. Was this what I come from the music? It's terrific music here. What do you think he said? Well, oh, get on with it, Nigel, you're thinking. What did he say? I want to say. I come because I'm discipled here. I come because I'm discipled here. Now he was about twenty. 22, 23, that kind of age I guess early 20s he was a student I come because I'm discipled here I wonder if you turn to somebody now this morning and say why do you come here what would they say I know there's a tradition I come because I always come I come because I'm brought up to come I've come because of the preaching. I've come to worship God. This special time for me is a time of special worship. I know I can worship God at any time, Nigel, but this is a time where I really try and worship God. I know there's lots of answers, but would you say, I come to be a learner? That's what disciple means. I come to be a student. I come to sit at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this wasn't... He wasn't saying this because it was one particular meeting... This particular church paid a lot of attention to all these young people in terms of discipleship. So I came away, and that really affected me. And I think this morning I want to deal a little bit with this whole question of discipleship. It's challenging for me because the whole concept is challenging. Am I a disciple? Am I a disciple? Are you a disciple? Are you a follower? That's what it means. Are you a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you an apprentice? I like that because that's the concept. Years ago, when someone learned a trade, they went and worked with somebody for five years or even more, some trades, and they learned the trade through somebody. They were their disciple in a sense. Now, are you an apprentice this morning of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you a follower? Are you a disciple? Are you a learner? Are you being educated this morning? Fundamental, these questions, aren't they? So let's go to the scriptures. Let's go. By the way, you know, they were first, one of the names of the early Christians was disciples, wasn't it? The Apostle Paul, he was breathed out threatenings of murder against the disciples. And then when he was converted, he wanted to join. The disciples It was one of the words, like, like Christian, like saint, these early terms for the Christians. In fact, in Acts it says the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. So it was a word which was prominent, wasn't it? And we know in the scriptures, the Lord, they, they, the disciples of Moses, when the Lord was here, they were the disciples of Moses, the Pharisees. That's who they followed, that's who they learned, Moses, Moses, Moses. There was the disciples of John the Baptist. Of course, they have different disciples. But are you a disciple? Are you a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? Is he your teacher? They're honest this morning. Not the denomination. Not how you've been brought up. Not your family. Is he your teacher? Are you a follower of him? So let's go to the scriptures. Now there are three passages in the Gospels. This is one of them and perhaps if we've got time we'll mention the others. But let's have a look at this one. Now this one was directly to the disciples. The context is the disciples. So Matthew 10 and 24. And I'm just going to make it be very simple. I've prayed this morning. I'm going to be very simple and I'm going to Just say what the scripture says. And it says this: a disciple, verse 24, is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple, the learner, the apprentice, the scholar, to be like his teacher. That's the magic word, isn't it? To be like. How do I know whether you're a disciple? By what you say? Yes, to some extent. But how you live, how you live, does that reflect what you say? To be like the master. You see, it assumes a relationship with the master. So discipleship is about being like the master. Not this particular group, Not that particular church, not that particular idea, but the master. What is he to you? That's what the song was. What is he to you? He's the master. He's the teacher. What does the teacher say? I was having a conversation with somebody on the phone yesterday, and he said, when I was a teacher at this school, there was a a man who was a, a brethren man, a Glantanite Brethren man, and he was called Mr. Bible <laughs> because his reply to everything was, what does the Bible say? Well, my friend, what does the Lord say? What does the Lord say about this, about whatever? That's what a disciple is. What does the master say? What does the master say? So there's to be like and there's relationship. Um, let's go on. If they call the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? You see, the master of the house has a terrific influence on the whole household. And it's the same with the teacher. We expect the teacher to influence the student. If you're a good teacher, you will have an impact for life. On your teachers, there are some teachers in my life I will never forget because they impacted me. Well, is the Lord impacting you? Is He influencing you day by day? This is discipleship. If he's not, you're not a disciple. Whatever you say, you are going to be like him. that's what you want. I want to be like the master. All right? You want to be in relationship with him. And you want him to influence you, to change you. More like him. Oh, let's read on. And I'm going to go to verse 32. Verse 32. So everyone who acknowledges me before men... I will, act, will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. Another thing about discipleship is identity. And if you go down to verse 40, you'll see the same thing. Whoever receives you, receives me. Whoever receives me, receives um, him who sent me. The disciple is identified with the Master. There's no aspect of our lives, you know, if we're disciples of the Lord Jesus, when we step out of being a Christian. Oh, this is my Monday bit. No, no, no. We're always to be identified with the Master. Those who acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. You see, it's complete identity. The disciple is identified with the Master, just like the disciples of John the Baptist were identified with John the Baptist, just like the disciples of the Pharisees were ident- identified with the Pharisees. The disciple of the Lord Jesus is identified with him. What we do identifies us in the eyes of the world with him. We are identified. With him. And what about this division aspect? Verse 34 Do not think that I have come to bring peace on the earth. I've come to bring, um, not come to bring peace, but a sword, division. Well, you know, discipleship causes division, folks. Radically. If you are a true disciple, there'll be division. There'll be division. to stand up and say, I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ and this is not right, will bring division. It will bring mockery. It will bring suffering. It has always been so and it will always be so. Are you a disciple? Are you a disciple? Am I a disciple? And what about 37, verse 37? Whoever loves father and mother more than me, is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son and daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Priority of relationship. When we have the Lord as our master, as our teacher, there's no other relationship so important as that. That is the priority. That is the first relationship. Are you a disciple? Is that someone else that's more important? Are you a disciple? Now, one of the first things that attracted me to Janice was this very Matthew. She made a choice in her life between the Lord Jesus Christ and the family. And she made the choice for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thought, wow. Wow. What about you? What about you? Would you make that choice? The dearest people in your life, and you had to make a choice between them and the Lord Jesus Christ, what would you do? You see, priority of relationship. Priority of relationship. What about cost? Verse 38. Whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Look, there's the assumption here that discipleship is costly. I'm going to, if I've got time, I have got time. I'm going to turn to one or two scriptures in a minute where the Lord seems to turn people away. He seems to say, look, you weigh up it. You think about it. It's all right for us sitting here this morning, this pleasant meeting house this morning, but many people have to think seriously about the cost Of being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we should think about it too. Because it may well come to us. And I'm not joking. The next 20 years it may well come to us. And we have to count the cost. And we have to suffer. And if we're true disciples, we will. We will. Because we're following the Master. And he said, if they hated me, they'll hate you. And we won't be any different. We'll be true disciples. Well, there is a cost here. And then with verse 42, what about um, uh, that? And whoever gives a cup of water to, uh, sorry, whoever gives one of these little ones a, even a cup of cold water, because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will no means lose his reward. Well, you know, there's this thing about, and I'm going to deal with it in a minute. You know, if we're true disciples. How do we know that? Because we love the brethren. We do anything for other disciples. We, we know we've passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. And that's always been the case. It's always been the case. So there's some teaching which here the Lord gives to his own disciples. You can see my Bible here, the one I'm using in the pulpit here this morning, it says, it says the 12 Apostles. Uh, That's how it starts off. And Jesus sends out his 12. And that's the context. He's speaking to those disciples. He chose to go to Bible college. No. He chose men to live with him day by day that they might learn. Get the lesson, folks. We've got to live with him. We've got to be in communion with him. We've got to identify with him. We've got to have him as our priority. We've got to count the cost if we're going to be true disciples. Well, let's look at another passage. Let's look at Luke 14. Luke 14. Now, you say, why does the Bible repeat itself? You must, those of you who seriously think about things, it often does, you know. Often the scriptures do repeat, perhaps in a slightly different way. So, Luke 15, verse 25. And do you know the reason it repeats itself? Is because we need it to have the lesson repeated. And here's the lesson again. Right? But this is different. Do you notice how it starts out? Off in 25. Now great crowds accompanied him. And he turned and said to them. So he's not speaking directly to his disciples now. He's speaking to... Everybody. This is a different context. And I think it's important to understand that this is a context of challenge. If, do you notice that? He's He's not saying to his disciples, if. He's saying to the crowd, if. See, if you're going to be a follower of me, if you're going to be a disciple. Right. And this is what he says. If anyone comes to me and does not hate His own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Well, of course, it it means in comparison. The only one does not hate his father and mother in comparison with loving me, in comparison with following me. He cannot be my disciple. Do you see the evangelistic thrust of this? He's speaking to the crowd. He's not speaking to his disciples. This is the Lord in an evangelistic style now. If, and I'm saying this morning, if, if you would follow Jesus, he must be number one in comparison with your wife or husband or mother or father. That's what the Lord's saying. So that's, he's putting challenges here to them. And we've heard it before. He said the same things to his disciples, didn't he? Priority of relationship. Well, let's go on. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me, listen, cannot be my disciple. We've heard that before. He said the same things to his disciples, but now he's saying it evangelistically. <laughs> do you know, it's so easy to get the forceps out and think we can do a delivery. And we cannot. So many people are not spiritually born again because we don't say this to them. Because we don't say count the cost. Because we don't say to them, look, think about it. It's not just a decision of the head, it's your whole life. This is what the Lord's doing. He's using this theme of discipleship to challenge people. Okay, let's go on. And he tells two stories, doesn't he? You know these stories about someone building a tower and he, he doesn't think about it. Now listen, if you're building an extension and you're building anything, you think about it. You do the costing. You think about how much does it cost? going to do the foundations? How much are the walls going to cost? Think about the cost. And then he says the story, doesn't he? Um... Uh, you know, about the war, man going to war. And he reckons up, first of all, am I going to win? If I'm not going to win, then I'm not going to go to war. So I've got here, um, be serious, be thoughtful. It's no laughing matter to be a disciple. Think about it very, very seriously. The Lord often taught by stories, didn't he? And that's a wonderful way to teach. So tells the story. But what's the point of the story this morning? It's count the cost, be serious. Be se- You'd laugh at a man who started building and got enough money to finish it. Well, how sad for people to start on the Christian road who haven't counted the cost, who have not truly been converted, who have been kind of pushed through the door by others, and yet are nowhere. I've seen it. You've seen it, my friend. The Lord wasn't like that. The Lord says to the crowd... You count the cost, and I'll tell you a story to you'll never forget. He told them these two stories. Then what about possessions, verse 4? No, it's not, for, sorry, that's my point, verse 4. Let's go on to, the, what verse is it? It's verse uh, 32. Um, no, verse, yeah, verse 33. Sorry, verse 33. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Cannot be my disciple. Wow. Really? 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 That excludes most of us, doesn't it? Does it? My friends, our possessions are not our own. All that he has. Listen to a, a, a modern paraphrase. I like this. This is challenging to me. Simply put, if you're not willing to take what's the dearest to you, whether plans or people, I'm going to put all money, and kiss it goodbye, you can't be my disciple. You can't be my disciple. Is my money my no? Is my home no? No. What I have, my abilities, mine. No, if I'm a disciple. And it's the same for you. They're not yours. And if you're a disciple this morning, you're going to give an account how you've used what the Master has given you. Do you notice it had three? This is the third one, cannot. It's strong, isn't it? Verse 30, uh, 36, you cannot, was it? Term? You cannot be my disciple. Verse 26, and then again it was 27, you cannot be my disciple. And then he says it again, you cannot be my disciple. Well, in my Bible here, which I've got in front of me now, it then has a break. I don't know about yours, have you got a break in yours? And it then goes on to, salt is good. Have you got that? Interestingly, the ESV that I'm using at home, I've got a couple of ESVs, well, I've got three ESVs, but one of them I was using, it's got got the word therefore in. And a lot of the older translations have therefore. Now, therefore, salt is good. Uh, Actually, I looked at the text, and actually Greek is, the therefore is there. But a lot of modern scholars don't think that's the idea. I understand why, but look, The point is, I think there's no break there. Listen, therefore, any one of you does not renounce all that he has, cannot be my disciple. Salt is good. Yeah. Now, he gives another story, another illustration. But if it's no good, if it's lost its saltness, what do you do? Chuck it out. My friends, if disciples are no good, if disciples aren't real, do you get the message here? If there's unreality... This is the issue. It's like that man with the one talent. Oh, yes. What did he do? Nothing. Nothing. Discipleship must be seen. It must be known and clear. And what about, what about um, the last bit? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, isn't this the basis of discipleship? Ever thought about why that's there? What does a disciple do? He listens. He listens. He wants to know what the master says to him. He listens. He listens. So we've got again, you see, how discipleship is used evangelistically here. The Lord challenges us about our priority of relationship, the cost, seriousness, possessions, unreality, obedience. He challenges us. This is a... Challenging thing this morning, folks, isn't it? I am challenged as I'm speaking to you. It's all right me standing up here talking, isn't it? It's not, you know. This is challenging. Where am I? Am I truly a disciple? Well, well, let's go to Luke 9. Luke 9, and then there are in Luke 9, and then very, very quickly, I'm not going to spend long on this at all. Luke 9, verse 50, 57. This is one of those passages again. Luke 9 and verse 57 you've got the heading of mine Luke 9 57 the cost of following Jesus now again this is just people calling out from the crowd you know as he's walking along the road as they were going along the road someone said to him I will follow you wherever you go right and um, someone else comes to him verse 59 and says I will follow to another he said follow me and uh, then 61 another said I will follow you Lord so he's going on the road and there's these people saying that they will follow the Lord they will be disciples that's what the word following means I'll be a disciple now look this is a separate sermon on this obviously and I haven't got time for that this morning I want to say this just very briefly that there are many legitimate things in life, justifiable things, (coughs) wholesome things, which might be hindrances to people. Look, it's not wrong to have a house. What does Paul say in Timothy? He says at the end of Timothy, having food and shelter, let's be content. It's not wrong having a house, comfort is not wrong. It's not wrong. Which for some people it is. Look, folks, music's not wrong. But to me, before I was converted, it had to go. Music's no wrong with music. It's lovely. God has given this beautiful thing to us, music. What's legitimate isn't necessarily right for everybody. If you look at this, is is it wrong to go home and bury your father but for some it is for some they know you get the point I think this is how I would preach this if I was is it wrong to go home and say farewell to your family now, now that probably means different, that probably means having a party and going on for in eastern culture lots and lots of days and, and the Lord says no you do it now you come and follow me now is it wrong to enjoy yourself And do lots of this, that and the other. But for some it is. And it might be for you. That might be the crunch of being a disciple. That's how I would preach this. There are hindrances to people. Different hindrances. Now I'm going to finish up five minutes with some encouragements. I'm I'm conscious this morning that I've been battering you. But let's say how wonderful it is to be a disciple. And it is wonderful. John 8. Three verses. John 8. John 8, some promises. Oh, come and be a disciple this morning if you're not. Come and follow the master. Have him number one in your life. If you're not there, do it. Do it this morning. Come. And what does the Lord say in John 8, 31? So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. It's wonderful. It's glorious to abide in the Lord Jesus Christ and to know the truth and to have the freedom that that truth brings. No more guilt all the time. No more fear of God condemning me. It's wonderful having such a master, such a teacher, Continuing in the word. Oh, if this morning you're thinking, oh dear, oh dear, meditate on that. It's wonderful being a disciple. Got to continue. You've got to abide. You've got to go on. If you abide in my word, if you continue in my word, in my teaching. And of course a disciple does. He does want to do that. Now turn to John 13. John 13. John 13, 35. John 13, 35. And we're going to read verse 34 to get the little context. Remember the Lord is talking to his disciples. He says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. And you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We know the Lord loved us sacrificially, laid down his life for us. We know he loved us unconditionally. We know he loved us in deed, just not in word. We know he loved us continually and loves us continually. Isn't it wonderful to be a disciple and to be able to imitate him and to show that we're truly disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ by loving others that he loved. Nothing could be better, surely. It's wonderful, glorious to be in the family of faith. To know that we have brothers and sisters all over the world. And if we were with them today, we would have the Lord Jesus Christ as our common teacher and Lord. I know that we're in a mess in many ways. I know that we've failed him and we're divided and all the rest of it. But it's glorious to be a Christian. It's glorious to have him as our saviour and Lord. It's glorious to have the one teacher, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we be disciples of Him. And then, last of all, John fifteen, verse eight. John fifteen, verse eight. No, that's not what I want, is it? Which one is it? Which foot? Fifteen eight. Oh, sorry, it is. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, if you ask according to his will, it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Well, What could be more wonderful than to know that if we pray according to the master's will, the teacher's will, our prayers will be answered and we will bear fruit, have a fruitful life. To know one day the Lord will say to us, well done you good and faithful servant. Now we cannot see this now folks. And we look at our lives and we think, oh, what have I... No, my friends, if we are disciples and if we are abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ, then we will be fruitful. We will be fruitful. It's a glorious thing to be a disciple, a wonderful thing to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what kind of follower? Student... Learner, are you this morning of the Lord Jesus Christ? We need to be better, don't we? Those of us here that love the Lord, we need to say, Nigel, this has challenged me. I need to follow the Lord more. I need to be more serious in this whole matter. For those here that have not openly testified that they love the Lord, you need to have him as your teacher and Lord and testify and come out. Are you a disciple of the Saviour? Or are we this morning disciples of the world? The fashions of the world? The idols of the world? What do we spend our time on? Who do we listen to? Who are we interested in? Are we real disciples? And if we are real disciples this morning, it's such a wonderful and glorious that he says you are my disciples Amen. Amen